0: Y'all's Bibles ought to be where you can almost, okay, right, you can almost get it to just go there without much effort. We've flipped here uh, uh, plenty of times. And, um, you know, I don't often preach in series, and this is why is because so many things um, happen and I end up stuck there for a long time trying to finish it when other things are going through my mind. And then I look up and, and I've been up here for three months and we're still in the same place I started. Now, I made a joke when I started that I was going to start a series in, in the book of Psalms, right? And Kevin may not get to preach for the next couple of years. <laughs> but really, this has turned into... <laughs> I could have just about did Psalms in the time I've took to do this. So y'all bear with me. We're going to get through this. I promise you, here in the next couple of weeks, and, and we'll move on to something else. Um, and then by that time, um, I'll probably be letting Kevin have his time back, because I know how it is to sit over there and wait your turn. It ain't no fun. Um, it's just the way it is. It just, it just is. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord." To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, again, I just humble myself before you to say thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to be in this pulpit this morning in front of this group of believers this morning. And I just pray, God, that you would guide my every word Father, that You would guide my every thought, that You would allow my opinions to be bound up in nothing but what You desire to come out of my mouth. Father, we just thank You for the opportunity we have this morning to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We ask, Lord, that You would open our hearts and minds to Your Word, that we may take it in, Father, that we may be able to meditate it in the week to come, Father, that we may be able to apply it in a way that it causes us to become more like the image of Your glory that You desire for us to be. Father, this morning I thank You for the veterans. I thank You for those that have served this wonderful country. Father, I, I just pray that You would bless them in a mighty, mighty way. And Father, I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> um, we'll be concentrating this morning in, in verse 14 in the book of Romans, chapter 12. Verse 14 says this, Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. You know, I told you, I think it was last week, that all of these things in this list, this is the the list of, of things that are marks or traits or characteristics of a true Christian. And I told you that none of these things come natural to you. Nothing in this list is what you naturally want to do. And I think that gets stepped up this week and and from here forward in the things and the instructions that we get. These are things that should be reflected in our behavior so that the rest of the world looks at us and sees that there's something different about us as Christians. And this, bless those who persecute you, is not your default setting. I know that. It's not my default setting either. I want to take those that persecute me and bust them in the mouth. Right? But that ain't I don't have permission to do that. This says and this is instructions that say bless those who persecute you. Look, bless and do not curse them. That's a great big order. That's a great big order because we are still wrapped in flesh. And what we want to do is act out of the flesh when somebody persecutes us. Not bless them. We want to curse them. So these things, these traits, this whole list, and especially today and and moving forward, these things are, are hard to do. And let me tell you, without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, impossible to do. You don't have the ability to do these things. That's why they're called the marks of a true Christian. Because the presence of the Spirit in your life is required in order for you to be able to do these things. Now that's not to say that because you're bad at some of these things, the the Spirit's not present. That's also not to say that just because the Spirit is present, that you'll master these things quickly. That's not the way it works. It's a a time thing and it's a renewing of the mind thing. Now I want to take you back. This morning, and we're going to spend most of our time in the book of Matthew talking about this subject, but instead of talking about where where, uh, Paul instructs you, I want to take you to where Jesus himself instructs it and show you where Paul gets this idea that this is actually a thing and somebody can actually do it. Because see, Christ never told anybody or commanded them to do something that he didn't equip them to do, right? When he walked up to the, the lame man who was lame from birth, and told him to get up and walk, that guy had every right to look at him and go, I can't. But he could because Christ commanded it. He had equipped him to do it, or he wouldn't have commanded him to do it, right? He just had to have the faith to stand up and walk. And not only walk, but the Bible says he ran off. Amen? Amen? So these things that Christ commands us to do, He also equips us to do. So don't look at these things and think of how hard it is, how difficult it is, or maybe even how impossible it is for you to do. You can do it. And just because He commands it don't mean you'll be able to do it right now. It may take you some time to figure out your faith and figure out how to make this thing work in your life and how to get yourself synced up with who Christ is and where He is and to be able to follow that... um, leadership of the of the holy spirit so go with me to matthew chapter 5 matthew chapter 5 and i'm going to read to you starting in verse 43 i want to talk about some of the things in these scriptures and try to break this down and get it get us to a common place this morning Romans, I mean, uh, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 43. You have heard it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, a lot of times when we've seen these quotation marks from Jesus, He was quoting Old Testament Scripture, right? And a lot of times, some people go to this spot and go to trying to look in Old Testament and see where that's written. I don't think you'll ever find a place in Scripture where the Bible tells you to hate an individual. So he's not quoting from Scripture, he's quoting from a misunderstanding of Scripture. And he said, you've heard it said to, to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That doesn't mean the Bible ever said that. But it was misunderstood at some point and it became a thing. And Jesus is trying to correct that thing. Right? Alright, now look at this. Now before I go any further, I want to ask you, how many times have you ever found things in Scripture that you thought it said one thing because that's what you had been told all your life and come to find out, that ain't what it said? I see a lot of head bobbing this morning, me too, by the way, on a lot of pretty common things that I thought it was one way and when I found it on my own, I went, whoa, that ain't what I thought that said. Right? That's what Jesus is trying to correct right here. You've heard it said. He didn't say you read it in Scripture. He says you heard it said, right? You heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, Jesus took another element into this. Paul says to bless those that persecute you, right? Jesus says, and I want to tell you something, if you want to figure out how you're going to figure out how to bless somebody that you don't really want to bless, here's your first step in what Jesus said. Pray for those who persecute you. Listen to me. If you can find it inside of yourself to get on your knees and lift up, a person that you don't have a desire to lift up, that's an evidence of the Spirit working inside of you because, again, that ain't what comes natural to you. Or oh, you may be praying for them. God, you better help them. I ain't talking about that kind of prayer, right? Huh? It ain't one of them things. God, if you love Him, you better get Him out of my face because I'm finna kill Him. See, I was praying for them, but I wasn't doing it like I was supposed to be. Because, see, I didn't just make up all them things. I just told you them things I really said. I'm that guy. I told them this morning, and I'll get to it a little bit later on, I'm probably the least compassionate person you'll ever meet. So I know that that's an area of my life that I have to work on regularly. I have to be focused on that. You may be the person that your initial reaction when somebody persecutes you is grab them by the collar and bust them in the mouth you got work to do. Just because that's what's natural to you don't mean it's okay to stay there. See, this whole Christianity thing is about you making progress in areas of your life where you know there's a struggle. See, I can tell you the places where I struggle. And I have to be conscious of those places and I have to be constantly dwelling on the things that I need to be working on and making those corrections. Because listen, improvement in spirituality is not a natural progression. It doesn't come natural to you. You have to be working at it and exercising these things and reaching for these things and setting goals for yourself and reaching for them. Listen, Christ said, Pray for those. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Make it a habit of when you begin to pray instead of starting with, Lord, help me. Put others in your list ahead of yourself as you pray. Now, I don't mean that you should never pray for yourself. I didn't say that. But I'm saying take the time to pray for other people. And in that list of other people should be those that persecute you. And you should genuinely pray for them. You should genuinely take the time to go before God on their behalf and ask for God to make changes in their life. Because a lot of times what happens to you and I, what what really gets us in trouble, especially in areas like this right here, is our emotions. We are victim of our emotions. We get led around by our emotions. We let our emotions dictate how we respond to things, and that's never a good idea. You should never be led by your emotions. Never. You should always be led by the Spirit. So in order to overcome what's natural to you, you've got to put something else in its place because I can assure you that if you do nothing, pray for those that persecute you is not going to be on the top of your list. So you've got to to insert that and you've got to replace the things that you normally do with things that you need to do in order to take on these marks of a true Christian. And again, these things ain't possible if you ain't plugged into their source. You've got to be plugged in. You've got to start there. And if you ain't plugged in, you ain't going to get it, I promise. The carnal mind cannot understand spiritual things. Won't work. All right. So now we've got this instruction from Paul that we're supposed to bless those who persecute us. Bless and do not curse. We go back to Matthew and find where Jesus tells us, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Um, And that's verse 44. Keep going with me. In verse 45, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. So that you may be sons of your Father. The reason you're doing this isn't so you won't kill somebody. Right? The reason that you're doing this is so that you can be a child of your Father. Where do we get most of our habits and our traits from? Right. Now, did your parents ever have to set you down and hand you these traits? Let me give you an example, a real quick one. And I'm not going to talk about me and Big Daddy this morning. i got another example. When we were growing up, I had a little brother. (laughs) He was always referred to as Taterhead when I was a kid. So therefore, I refer to him to this day as Taterhead. He had this real bad habit of taking strings and ropes and chains and anything he could find and attach something to something else. It may be the lawnmower tied to the back of your pickup truck, right? It may be a wagon tied to the back of a bicycle. It may be a milk crate tied to the back of a four-wheeler. But he was constantly, when we was kids, he was constantly... Taking things and tying them to other things and dragging them, my grandfather bought him a brand new push mower. He'd used it a couple of times. Thomas, unbeknownst to my grandfather, tied that brand new push mower to the back of his truck, my grandfather's truck. My grandfather did not go out in the driveway and look and see if there was something tied to his truck. It shouldn't be. But his truck was facing out, so he didn't even have to back up. He gets in his truck. He takes off down the road. He hears a racket. He looks up, and his brand-new lawnmower is bouncing ditch-to-ditch behind him because my brother had tied it to the back of his truck. I tell you all that to tell you this. A few weeks ago, I got some pictures. You hear that little mouth over there? That little fella was out in the yard with his John Deere gator, John Deere tractor, whatever it is, his power toy of the day, with a tow strap hooked from it to his other one with his sister sitting on it. <laughs> a few days later, I get a picture of his, my brother's truck with a tow strap tied to his brother-in-law's Jeep. Thomas has not sat down with Cason and explained to him how to tie things together. He's never heard the stories and wouldn't understand them if I told him from our childhood of his father tying stuff to stuff. But it's been passed down. (laughs) He's acting like his daddy. (laughs) Right? Right? And listen... You too have things in your life. I have things in my life. I told y'all about my confusion with people's names and not being able to get them right and his problem with that and his daddy's problem. Listen, you just act like those that raise you. You just do. You begin to look like them and act like them and talk like them and you see these traits in you, don't you? And you do something and you go, My goodness, I must have got that from my daddy or My goodness, I must have got that from my mama, right? You all experience these things. Listen, your heavenly Father is no different. You are marked as one of His when you start to take on His traits. And He don't have to sit down and explain it to you. You just start to develop the traits that reflect who He is. Right? And that's what we're trying to do is be... But that don't come natural to you. It's learned behavior. It's... (laughs) I got you, bro. <laughs> it's learned behavior. You got be, to be focusing your mind to take on these traits of your father. Listen, the reason you're taking on this trait of, of not persecuting, but praying for and blessing your enemy and those who persecute you is so that you will be known as the son or daughter of your heavenly father. You're trying to take on His traits. You're trying to be who He is. You're trying to imitate Him, right? That's what this whole life is about, is walking through this life. I'm not talking about on Sunday mornings while you sit in church. I'm talking about your life being a reflection of your heavenly Father. I've told you a thousand times, my job causes me to travel a bunch. And I don't travel as much as some people travel, but I travel a lot. This week I was in uh, Shelbyville one day at a dirt pit working on a piece of machinery. And it wasn't even the operator of the machine that I ran into. It wasn't even the owner of the machine that I ran into. It was the guy who owned the property where the machine was sitting. And I pull up on this, roll up on this place... And there's this guy sitting there in this Chevrolet truck and he comes rolling out of this truck. And I mean literally, this dude was 400 if he was a pound. A big dude. And I thought, oh my, I hope he wants me to be here because if he don't, I'm fitting to leave because this is a big old man. I ain't fitting to argue with him, none. And he gets out and he has the part that I'm supposed to put on this piece of equipment. The guy that owns it had gotten him to go and get the part from the shop and bring it to where I was at. And this guy gets out and, and we're talking and, and, you know, just kind of, you know, I'm kind of feeling him out. Make sure he do, he's okay with me being there and that kind of thing. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, this guy starts sharing his testimony with me just out of the blue. I used to own that property over there and that was my business that I had for 30 plus years and and I almost got divorced and and, and I was living wrong and God came in and God rescued me from me was his story. And I never stopped him. I never interrupted him. I just let him talk because I could tell what he was doing. What he was doing was he was sharing his story with me to find out who I was and where I stood. But he didn't ask me, are you a Christian? He didn't ask me, do I need to waste my time telling you this? He didn't. He just fell into giving his testimony and talking to me the whole time I'm working on this machine and this guy's getting and I, Now, I'm up on the back of a track hoe. For those of you not familiar with that, the work platform on the, on the track hoe is about this wide. And it's a big old hunk of steel that's called a counterweight. It holds the back end of the machine down while the front of the machine's doing all the work. And i'm laying up here on top of this thing and it's about this wide Now i ain't no little guy myself i don't know if y'all have noticed or not but just throwing that out there and i and i mean i'm just barely hanging on and this guy is wherever i'm at now he never came up on the machine but he'd follow me around that machine and he'd be standing down here talking and i mean i'm on my head standing on my head upside down trying to get in there and i'm in grease up to here and then i get down and go under the machine and part of it you got to get to from under there and while i'm scratched down and up under this thing He's standing right there talking to me like this up under that counterweight. And he ain't letting me get away from him. And he's on just telling me about what God's done in his life and how good God has been to him. He's currently disabled and the only source of income he has is this dirt pit that I'm working in. And the guy that's got the machine there sells the dirt to people and then he gets a small portion of whatever the dirt brings for it being his dirt to start with. Dane hauled a, a single load of dirt out of this pit in three months. This is his only source of income. He said, now, I don't know if you realize it or not, but the bills just keep coming. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. It's fixing to rain the next day. He's got six orders for dirt that can go out today if I can get this machine running. I'm thinking, boy, talk about pressure. <laughs> and you know the only thing he could talk about... Under those circumstances, was what all God has done for him. And all he could do was share with me, and he finally got to a place where he took a breath, and I got to talk a little bit, and he figured out I was, I was a Christian, and then he figured out I was a preacher. And I said, I want to tell you, I am so encouraged. I pulled up here, you don't know me from Adam, and all you've done is shared testimonies since I've been here. He said, well, I told God when He picked me up off my back, if I didn't do nothing else with the rest of my life, I'd tell every person I came in contact with how good He'd been to me. You know, that's what we're supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to do. That we're supposed to be putting on these traits and actively sharing what God... Listen, you ain't got to know the Scripture to tell somebody what God's done in your life. You ain't got to have a pastorate degree in order for you to tell somebody what God's done in your life. And to tell them that I'm doing all I can do to take on the traits so that when you see me... See, I knew, as soon as this guy started talking, I knew where we was going. He was a reflection of his father. I hope that when I go places and when I leave, people are able to say that about me that they can go, you know, I didn't know what he was fixing to do with that machine, but I knew what I was fixing to hear out of him. This guy was just so on fire to share with anybody, and not even if they wanted to listen or not. He chased me around this track hole to share his testimony with me. You know, that, that's the traits that we're supposed to take on. He didn't know if I was an enemy. He didn't care if I was an enemy. The only thing he knew is I agreed with his hat. Trump 2020. <laughs> and that started the whole thing. He got out of the truck with a Trump 2020 hat on. And I went, I like that hat, and it was on from there. <laughs> <laughs> you do these things so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for He makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. You know, there's a such thing with God called a common grace. I don't just live under God's grace because I love Him, because I'm so obedient, right? God's grace is here because it's just that, God's grace. And it's present in my life, and He makes it present in the lives of those that don't love Him no more or no less than I do. And in order for me to be a reflection of my Father, you know what i got to have? Some small portion of common grace has got to be in me. And that common grace will make it possible for me to love those who persecute me. You know, God has done a funny thing in my life, and he's put a person in my life um, that is probably as good an example of common grace and compassion and those kind of things as anybody I've ever known, and that's my wife. And y'all, I don't write, I don't get to write my life. Right? I don't get to write these stories. I get to just share them with you. I'm telling you what I do is I sit down sometime early in the week, hopefully on Sunday evening um, while I'm watching football most of the time. I'll sit down with my scriptures that I feel like I'm going to be preaching for the week. When I'm in a series like this, I know what it is. So I knew what I'd be preaching this week if God didn't change things. So I just get them in my head so I can meditate on them and think about them all week. And I'll revisit them throughout the week. But along with that, I kind of pay attention to life. Because normally God will insert things in my life in that week that go along with this stuff. So I don't have to make up some story to come in here and tell you all to give you an example. I just have to be paying attention. It's Friday evening, a little after 4 <clears throat> my boss has just checked out. I just got back from... Yeah, I went back to Shelbyville. Different piece of my equipment. You're right, I did. I did go back to Shelbyville. It was actually out there towards Deeson, but still in Shelbyville. And uh, I had to tear tear some more parts down. I, I was tearing them down and had my tools all strolled out. My boss come through there, through the shop, and he said, I think I'm going to go home and check my cows. i about done all I'm going to do this week. I said, all right, well, I won't be far behind you if I can get all this figured out what we got to have and everything <clears throat> and Amanda come through about 4 o'clock, she's our 4 o'clock alarm, if I'm at the shop I know when it's 4 o'clock, I know when it's dinner and I know when it's 4, that's the two times I'm going to see her, dinner time and 4 o'clock, I'm out of here so she came through, she left, then my boss comes through, he leaves and I'm there by myself and I'm thinking Friday, I'm already at the shop, 5 o'clock's on the way baby Nothing to do tomorrow. I'm fixing to get in the wood shop and build stuff and make sawdust. And it's going to be awesome. And about 4.15, 4.20, I was picking my toes up and cleaning everything up and putting it back in my truck, and my phone rings, and it's Amanda. And I go, oh, this can't be good. I mean, she don't just leave, and 20 minutes later, call. So I pick up the phone, I go, hello, and she said, everybody's okay. And I went, oh, heck no. What do you mean everybody's okay? She said, I've been in a wreck, but everybody's okay. I said, can you drive it? She said, no, I can't drive it. She said, I don't think I can. You'll have to come look and tell me. I said, all right, let me get my jump picked up and I'll be on my way. So I throw all my toes in the truck and take off over to, she was pulled up in the parking lot by this time at uh, Yellow Deli. So I get over there, and, and sure enough, the top ball joints broke, and the tires laid against the upper A arm, and you can't drive it. Front ends all mashed in, and I'm a perfect weekend. It's gone. Just shot. What happened? She's sitting dead still at a red light, going to turn right, and a person coming this way is turning right, and instead of turning into their lane, for some reason, they turn into a, her lane all the way on the other side of the road. Not only that, but instead of using a the brake, they use the accelerator. Ah, and just, pow, nailed the front of that truck. Where they at? <laughs> right? Drew my weekend, tore up her truck. Now I got all this to mess with. And she's over there going, and the poor girl that hit me is tore all to pieces. She ought to be. <laughs> Wait till I talk to her. As you think tore up. Let me get her. All she could think about was this other person. All I could think about was ripping them apart. <laughs> Did I not tell y'all I have a problem with compassion? But God has put somebody in my life to show me what it looks like to give me a guide, to give me some idea, because all I can think about is what this is going to cost us, and we're out of a vehicle, and then, and then, and then, and then. And all she could think about was this poor 15-year-old girl that's trying to learn how to drive and comes around the corner, and she's so distraught. And this kid is just, I mean, she can't even function. I'm talking about snot and tears going everywhere. Just tore all to pieces. Couldn't even tell you her name. She just... <laughs> One of them kind of crimes. You know what I mean? I mean, she was towed up. And my wife is sitting in a towed up vehicle, and all she can think about and all that's in her mind is that poor girl that run over me. And I'm going, why can't I be that? Why can't I learn to have that kind of compassion? Why can't I learn to go sit back in my vehicle when somebody's run over me, me minding my own business, and somebody's run over me and spend the time praying for that person? I can tell you why, because my flesh is still too strong. That's why. The same reason you struggle with it. Self ain't died enough yet. It's a daily thing. But listen, I was able to, now I told my Sunday school class, I mean, I'm a a grumbler. I'll grumble and complain and gripe about crap that don't mean nothing to nobody. But I've gotten better because now I don't verbalize that. I grumble inside, (laughs) under my breath. So in my opinion, that's progress, right? That's getting more Christ-like, right? Because I'm trying to get to that point where that's not my initial reaction. I'm trying to get to the point where my initial reaction is to pray for those that persecute me or come against me or that are enemies to me. For anybody to not be so self-centered and just worry about what it's going to cost me or what it has cost me. And I'm telling you, God puts examples of these things in front of you, in front of me, so I can see it in real life. Because he wrote it down. There's no question about that, right? But that would require me to get off off my lazy hind end and go pick it up and read it. So he also puts examples in front of me so that I can see these things. Listen, you know where your struggle is. This may not be your struggle. You may not have zero problem with praying for your enemy loving your enemy it may not be a thing for you you may not have no struggle but i want to tell you if that ain't your struggle you have one and whatever it is you got to address that whatever it is you gotta you gotta earmark that you gotta label that you gotta point at that and say this is where i need to grow so i can be known as my father's child And you've got to start to address that, whatever it is. And and this may not be the mark that you struggle with in this list of traits or marks of a true Christian. But if it is, listen, it's not impossible for you to conquer this. God didn't, Jesus never instructed somebody to do something He didn't already equip them to do. You're equipped to do this. Or He wouldn't have instructed you to do it. He's not going to call on you to do the impossible. Now, it's impossible if you're trying to do it without Him. Now it's impossible. But as long as you're plugged into that source, it's not impossible. You can learn to do this. Let's finish this up right quick. Because he gets into some more stuff here. Verse 48, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? In the time this was written, the tax collectors were considered to be the the bottom of the barrel. The worst of the worst. And he says, "Don't, don't worry about just loving those who love you. What reward do you have? The tax collectors can do that, right? But look at this. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? They don't mark you as your father's. Because you love people that love you or you speak to those that are your brothers or you greet those that... That ain't marked you as nothing. Everybody does that. The wicked of the wicked do those things. Remember, so that you can be known as the son of your father. Right? That's our goal here. Look, verse 48. You therefore... don't, Don't miss these words. You've been told all your life This is impossible. Don't miss them words. Don't let somebody tell you that ain't what it really means. It it means what it says, just like the rest of Scripture. It says it. Take it to heart. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, why would God give you such a high standard? So you need to always be working because your goal is perfection just as God is perfect right that means you've always got work to do that means you've always got something to be reaching for that means you've always got work to do if you want to be known as the child of our Heavenly Father You've always got work to do. There's always something in front of you. There's always more you can do. And although you may not be like me, compassion may not be where you're weak at. But you've got a weakness somewhere. You've got something in your life that you could be working on. And, and you may look at this and go, I don't have any problem with it. Uh, that's good. But there's other things in here that you do have a problem with. And you're, listen, your goal is perfect. Just like your Father in heaven is perfect. So if you haven't met that standard, you still got work to do. And if you have met that standard, I can tell you what you need to work online. <laughs> right? You got work to do. Just like the rest of us, you got work to do. It ain't no shame in that. Listen, this is an ongoing thing. It's something to constantly be grasping for and reaching for and working at. This isn't a list of things that come natural to you just like they don't come natural to me. My default settings are flesh. I just want to rip their little head off. Right? You just want to throat punch them one time and it'll all feel better. Right? That ain't the way it's supposed to be. That ain't supposed to be our mindset. That ain't supposed to... That's, that's reacting out of emotion. What we should be doing is praying for them. Now, does this mean to lay down and just be the doormat of the world and let people run over you and you never know? We'll we'll talk about that a little bit more in the coming weeks. But what it does mean is our first reaction is to pray for those that persecute us, to bless those and not curse those that persecute us. No matter who they are, no matter the stand, no matter the situation. That's our first reaction. Well, that ain't what everybody else... You ain't supposed to be what everybody else is. You're supposed to be set apart and different. Now, that don't mean... I didn't say you can't be normal. We've been having that discussion this week. We'll save that story for another day. My daughter is convinced she ain't supposed to be normal. But I've pointed out some things to her that normal people do and I'm going congratulations though because you don't want to be normal so you do that idiot stuff. I didn't say don't be normal. I said don't look like the rest of the world. To be separated, right? To be set apart. To be the royal priesthood to be marked as God's children and these are the traits that get you to that point. Y'all stand.